Hey everybody, how's it going? Matt here to welcome you all into our very first episode of book two of the Tyrant's Grasp Adventure Path. I gotta say, we loved playing book one, and we really hope you guys enjoyed that recap episode last week. I know it was an absolute blast to record that live with like with the patrons listening in and asking us questions as we recorded it. And I hope I hope that came through in the episode because it was so much fun to do. And we hope you guys had as much fun listening to it as we did recording it. But now on to better and hopefully brighter things. I mean, we made it out of the dead roads, so it doesn't get much bleaker than that, I suppose. Well, I shouldn't jinx it, I suppose. But we're back in what's left of Roslar's coffer. I don't want to get into too many details. But uh, it's not the homecoming we were hoping for. But that's enough. That's enough jibber-jabbering. Just the, uh, the usual plugs here from me. If you like the show, please support us on Patreon. It goes a long way. If you can't do that, or even if you already do, give us a rating and review on whatever platform you find us on. It is going to go a long way towards helping new people find the show. And that's going to help us continue to grow because we want to share our story with as many people as we can. We love sharing it with you guys. And we think with your help that we can share it with even more. Get on our Discord if you're not already. We're always around chatting with with everyone. And we absolutely love interacting with you guys on there. And yeah, uh, if that's I think that's all I've got for today. So welcome into book two, everybody. I hope you enjoy it. Here's episode number 27. Home Sweet Dome. Banned in only two states, we are the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. How's everybody doing today? I'm sure we can get banned in more than two states. We just gotta try harder. I just gotta go move real quick and I'll get us banned in at least two more. Two states and counting. So here we are in book two, baby. Boom. Sweet. We did it. can't believe nobody's died yeah how did we all live this long (laughs) so book two level five at this rate you guys are gonna be uh level what like 23 by the time we finish the campaign god sounds about right let's talk about our level five toys who wants to go first i can go first since uh did not get a whole lot for level five uchard got two new feats um the first one is improved call shot which hasn't done a lot of call shots but he's definitely gonna do a lot more now that he has improved call shot nice (laughs) and um his second feat is a feat called sword play style and sword play style basically uh you choose one weapon from heavy blades or light blades weapon group and while i'm using this style and wielding that chosen weapon and fighting defensively or using either total defense action and here's the key one or the combat expertise feat you gain a plus one shield bonus to your armor class and like if it just ended there that would be pretty cool like sweet another plus one to ac but As we've seen, Uhtred likes to use the shield spell, so that doesn't have a huge effect to him. But the second half of this feat, 
In addition, you do not take the penalty on melee attacks from combat expertise on your first attack roll you make each turn. You do still take that penalty on any additional attacks, including attacks of opportunity. Now, that's going to be really strong for Uhtred, because as of right now, he does not have multiple attacks. And combat expertise is one of the home rules for Axel that everybody has access to that feat. Like, you can just, you just have it. You don't have to spend an actual feat on it. So basically, that means that the extra AC that's factored as a dodge bonus, which will stack with like my shield spell and my uh, mage armor essentially is just coming to me for free now. Yes. It is important to note though, that it is not something that's just going to be always on. Right. It doesn't you have to specify until you make that attack roll. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'd have to specify too, that I was using combat expertise. So I get the benefit of it, but I'm pretty much going to always be using combat expertise probably now. Yep, I would expect so, you to. And then no reason not to now. Yeah, there really isn't. Uh, Uchard also got two new spells this level, which will be invisibility, always good, and molten orb. Molten orb, basically, you just shoot like a, a red hot ball of metal. If the t- target is hit directly with it, they take two d six worth of damage and then it has a splash effect that anybody within a five foot radius around the center target takes an additional 1d6 of damage and then i roll a d3 and that determines how many rounds anybody that gets hit by the splash effect will take an additional 1d6 of damage on their turn until the um, molten metal that splashed on them is cooled off either by the round timer running out or if they cool it through magic or some other means. And then really the only other thing for level 5 for Uhtred was his ability that allows him to spend an arcana point to give his weapon a plus 1 now has the ability at level 5. So like with the dagger that I got that's already a plus 1, if I spend an arcana point to make it a plus 2, I can choose to add uh, an equivalent property. Yeah, so that would be things like keen, uh, shocking, flaming, flaming, uh, I think the bursts are plus two. But but essentially I can start attacking, uh, attaching properties to the weapon to do extra damage or cool things. Not that you'll ever be using a dagger. Nope. Learned that lesson already. All right, cool. Uh, who wants to go next? Oh, wait. One more thing. I have nope, to too roll, late. I have Moving to roll on. my health. Nope. You lost them. 1d8 plus my con, right? Yep. All right. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies. All right. I rolled a five, so I get a seven additional health. I broke the 30 mark. There you go. Okay. Now who wants to go next? Actually, I will. Okay. Um, mine is actually... There's very little that occurred. Um, one being I got a new feat, which goes along with uh, the class feat that I got. And uh, let me go over that with you real quick. So I added skill focus uh, and gave my appraise check a plus three. 
The class feat that I got was Rogue's Edge, uh, which allows me to pick a skill and it gives me uh, a full list. If I were to choose one of the skills, it would give me um, varying feats, mini feats out of um, out of those skills. New abilities depending on how many ranks you have in that skill. Yes. Um, so uh, me picking a praise, essentially, if I can get a 20, I can identify it as magical. And 25 uh, with the DC 25 plus the caster level, uh, I can identify what those uh, magical, uh, what the magical effects are. That's cool. So you've essentially got uh, detect magic and spellcraft now with, through the appraise skill. Yes. That's pretty awesome. That's, that's fun. Yeah. Um, and there, there was a lot of heavy debating on my part of, uh, what to take. I was kind of torn between a couple. They're, they're pretty cool if you want to take a look at them. Um, but then, uh, past that, I got nine hit points between my constitution. So I rolled, yeah, a, rolled a six. Yeah, I rolled a six, got a plus two on my con, and then, uh, I added my HP to it. So I got... 9 HP uh, this uh, this round, which brings me up to a whopping nice. 46 max. You got an extra D6 on your sneak attack, I think. Do I? Yeah. You get a third. Every odd level, you get a, an oh. extra D6. Oh, so, yeah, I didn't you're up even to 3D6 now, buddy. Oh, <laughs> I got 3D6 coming on that. Okay. All right. I like that. <laughs> oh, Put that's spicy. Put on your spicy. 3D6 now. <laughs> All right, yeah, that that made me a little bit more excited. There you go. All right, there's everything. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay, who's going next? Uh, I'll go next. So fifth level as a kineticist is fucking big. I, I love this. First things first, I got a new infusion, and this is like the worst part of this level for me because there wasn't a huge real set of options that were really good for this level so i took gusting infusion so that i can actually like generate gusts of wind with my blasts it's like it'll have some niche usage but that was that was kind of like the the least impressive thing okay i'll have some utility if you ever come across like like fog cloud or something that needs to get blown away yeah yeah some such fuckery yeah but what is really nice is i got an ability called infusion special infusion specialization one which means the first point of burn that i use for infusions on every blast gets negated so now i don't need to gather power before i use my pushing infusion or my air's leap i can just do that for free as long as it's one as long as it only costs one burn which then frees up my gather power to use for the best part of level five um First off, my blast goes up to a base of 3d6 damage. And then I get like plus con and like other complicated kineticist stuff. Yeah, but, that's what you needed. More damage. Oh, oh, it gets oh, better. Don't even fucking start, Nick. Um, yeah, I get ahead. an ability called... <laughs> but I also get an ability called metakinesis. Um, and this allows me to essentially use burn to apply like metamagic feats to my kinetic blasts. So at fifth level, I get the ability to use empower on my kinetic blast. So for one burn, I can empower my blast so it deals an extra 50% damage. 
and now I can also use, like, I could use, I could spend the burn to do that, or I could gather power to reduce that to zero and still get an empowered blast with an infusion on it. So yeah, Rogar's power level just uh, just jumped up quite a bit, and uh, I'm excited to make Alex cry. Anything else for Rogar? I shudder to ask. <laughs> no, that's that's plenty. I, I rolled my yep. HP. I'm I'm sitting at a solid 55 now. So God damn. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, who wants to go last? Yeah. So Joe here. Matt got powerful enough for the both of us, so that makes it easy <laughs> on me. I got another energy resistance, so now I'm up to plus five fire. You come at me with fire, and that's a mistake at this point. So feeling great about that. I got another spell, so I'll probably be using spells now, you know, that I have two of them Uh per day. And for a feat, I took Greater Mercy. So anytime I use Lay on Hands, if they didn't have Shaken, they get an extra 1d6, which is crazy, because what are the odds they're going to have Shaken? So if they have shaken, then it gets removed. If they don't, boom, extra one yeah. d six. Either way, either either situation, you know. Yeah. Well done, team. Friggin' nuts. So um, that's pretty much it. There's one other huge surprise I've got in store. I'm pulling a wicked Tom here and not uh, you know, fully announcing it, but uh, you'll get there soon enough, and it's totally tight, and I'm stoked for it. And that's it for me. So. Um, good stuff, but nowhere near Rogyar stuff. And uh, <laughs> I rolled a two on my HP, so. Yeah. All right, so let's, with that, dive right in, starting with a little scene. As a curtain rising on a new scene, a raven swoops past our vision, revealing a bird's eye view of a large battalion of soldiers, priests, and magicians on a waning, sun drenched plain. Dozens of banners stand tall among the sea of men and dwarves, primarily the green and blue flag of Taldor, the golden eye of the Knights of Ozum, and the hammer and anvil of Kragadan. As we descend upon the scene, the stench of sulfur and blood heralds a worn but ready army. Indeed, as we watch, we can see formations forming and moving throughout the area. Knights mount horses and bring orders to the far reaches of the battalion. As we finish descending, we can hear shouts and commands marshalling soldiers for some approaching battle, harmonizing with the whinnying of horses and the hard thud of boots stomping on packed dirt. From our new horizontal vantage point, weaving through the crowd, we can just barely see movement far in the distance, a long swath of rhythmic ups and downs, cloaked somewhat under a hazy dust trail. We stop before a knight astride his horse. A firm breeze blows his long, dark hair out behind him. He spurs his horse around, and we can see the long, thick mustache of Irvin Roslar. Another knight rides up and comes to a halt next to him with a salute. How far out are they? The saluting knight pats his horse nervously. Still about an hour, General Roslar, but we can't be sure what tricks they may have up their sleeves. Roslar nods. Continue preparations. Tell the commanders we have only thirty minutes. Yes, sir. A third knight arrives, and we see a beautiful young woman with short dark hair and a large shield on her back. The saluting knight redoubles his salute, sitting as straight in his saddle as his spine will allow. General Iamade, the then mortal woman Iamade, gives Roslar a firm nod of respect before turning to the saluting knight. Are there any signs of him? The saluting knight shakes his head. No ma'am, not yet. General Iamade sends a look at Roslar. Good. Still, we should assume... Her words are cut short by a drastic shift in the movement and noise coming from the surrounding men and women of the battalion. 
No longer alert and ready, the swarming crowd carries a frenzied air. The two generals look around from atop their horses, concerned, trying to spot the source of the charge. Then, through the confused shouts around them, several voices call out clearly, They're gone! They're gone! After a moment of processing, General Ayamade's eyes grow wide, and she wrenches herself around in her saddle to look back toward the enemy forces in the distance. Through chance gaps in the crowd, we can see as well. The hazy dust cloud remains, but the long swath of rhythmic ups and downs, the approaching horde of enemy soldiers, has vanished. Generals Ayamade and Roslar spur their horses to ride to the front of the battalion. They emerge from the panicking army, shouting orders of bracing and confidence at the panicking soldiers around them. Just when the soldiers seem to have gotten a hold of their wits, though, a sudden swell of wind pushes its way past Roslar and Ayamade, and then their gathered forces, turning all heads back past their commanding generals. Where there used to be nothing, there is now an enormous force of enemies, from man-sized skeletal monsters to large serpentine creatures wielding deadly weapons in their multiple arms, to truly massive monstrosities of stitched flesh and undefinable shapes. The undead army of Tarbafan, bolstered by evil outsiders, dragons, fey, and even mortal men. Like a blister upon the earth, they stand not a hundred paces from where the two generals watch from atop their mounts. General Amade's head slowly tilts back as her eyes grow wide, looking skyward. She bares her teeth with a mixed look of fear and determination. It's him. Roslar, stunned by the sheer magnitude and proximity of his enemy, blinks before looking skyward as well. And we can see him. Tarbafan, the Whispering Tyrant hovering over a hundred feet in the air, wearing, as always, his wicked horned helm. The evil lich holds something in his arms, something wrapped in cloth. Roslar Ayamade and the army of men behind them watch in stunned silence as Tarbafan drops the bundle of cloth with a grin. As it falls, the wind tugs at the layers of cloth, pulling free whatever is wrapped inside, one moment at a time until finally, the fabric is completely blown away, revealing in a withering burst of loose feathers, the bruised, naked, slain body of Arasni. We can see Arasni's body plummeting to the earth in the reflection of Roslar's glassy eyes. No. We can see her once beautiful, dancing red hair has turned a sad, ghostly blue. No. Her once magnificent feathery wings have been thoroughly plucked, leaving two ugly, flesh-colored limbs that now tumble limply in her freefall. No! And finally, her body crumples as she collides with the ground, further breaking her as a plume of hot dust is sent skyward from the impact. No! Roslar's cry of protest is joined by the gathered forces behind him as everyone witnesses the demigoddess, their strongest contender against the whispering tyrant, become a shattered mess at their feet. Roslar draws his rapier and spurs his steed forward, blind rage and grief trailing in his wake. General Ayamade extends an arm after him. Roslar, no! Behind her, the army of men and dwarves breaks as rank after rank, soldiers and casters alike fall back, all resolve forgotten. Ayamade glances back at her retreating forces with waning grit before looking forward again toward Roslar, unsure what to do. We focus our attention again on Roslar, who's closed the distance to the undead army. The closer he gets, the more the sun seems to grow dark above him, causing his own holy aura to highlight himself in the final moments before impact 
His noble steed plunges itself into the heart of the gathered monsters at its rider's urging, and like a holy javelin, the mounted paladin meets the undead bulwark with an explosion of righteous might. A dozen undead soldiers are obliterated in an instant. The fine, focused point of Roslar's rapier is more like a massive hammer, battering the endless mass of enemies with impossible magnitudes with each thrust. And yet... The forces that bear against him are so great that Roslar is surrounded completely mere moments after his charge ended. Harried from all sides, the mourning paladin takes a defensive stance astride his mount, each dodging movement he makes scattering more tears to the wind. He parries a great axe wielded by a mummified frost giant, turns his shoulders in time to turn a thrust of a scythe-like claw from another monster into a glancing blow, and drives his rapier through the eye of a winged demon before it can launch its own volley of attacks. It's truly a sight to behold, as Roslar, emboldened by his own grief, matches the counters the enemy army blow for blow. It wasn't to last, though, and his mount jerks suddenly underneath him, and Roslar looks down in time to see a gnarled, thorny tentacle, its source obscured by the sheer density of foes wrapped fully around the steed's leg. With an almighty yank, the horse is ripped out from underneath Roslar, its leg all but torn off in the process before being swallowed up by the horde of monsters. Roslar manages to land on his feet, but his new disadvantage is obvious, and he whirls around, wide-eyed, pupils splayed from adrenaline as he prepares for the onslaught to continue. The mass of foes to Roslar's right swells as they prepare to swallow the night up in the tides of their rotten decay, when a blinding white light bleeds through the spaces between bone, flesh, and metal, and with a heavy impact of hallowed force, the monsters are scattered like so many stones against a sledge. Ayamade stands where the monsters once did, mid-speech with the rallied army at her back. She is dead, but not forgotten! We will win this battle for Arasni, the Red Crusader! As they did to Roslar, the evil forces begin to envelop Ayamade as well, but the paladin points her sword forward, marshalling a crippling advance from the army of the living, driving the undead back away from her and Roslar. Tarbafon wishes to take our resolve because it is our resolve that he fears! The army of men and dwarves continue its advance, its footing freshly found and purpose emboldened by Ayamade's words. Battle cries and war drums call out, protesting at the cold hopelessness that clung to this battlefield only moments before. As the battle rages, we pull up and see Tarbafon watching the army of the living cutting through his own with a sneer. He teleports away, leaving his forces to drown in retribution. Many hours later, the sun sits low on the horizon, and we see the same battlefield, now soaked with blood and littered with limbs, corpses, and broken metal. Ayamade stands stoically among her allies, victorious, as the carnage is picked through and wounded soldiers are tended to. Ayamade gazes out at the battlefield, taking in the tremendous loss of life, the cost of their victory. She bows her head and speaks to no one in particular. In victory we find death and loss. We continue to pay dearly for our children's safety and their children's. Tarbafon's hubris continues to be his greatest weakness. He lost more than mere soldiers today. We ride to Gallowspire, where he will find enemies at his gates who have been tempered by his own efforts to break them. We still have a long way to go, 
more death, more loss to pay, but we will pay it. And he will pay for his crimes, for his ego, for his hatred. We must leave you here. We have a long way to go, but I will carry your will and your strength with me. And we look down at Ayamade's feet and realize that her speech did indeed have an audience. His armor is torn to bloody shreds, and his eyes lay open, staring in unending sorrow. Irvin Roslar lays dead on the ground before General Ayamade. In the distance, we can see the still-setting sun laying shadows across the scene. As Ayamade finally turns and leaves to tend to her army, the sun grows hazy and faint. The light from the sun fades, as does the sounds of the army of the living as they recover from the battle, and slowly the sun is completely hidden behind the thick yellow fog that surrounds Roslar's coffer. We have a high vantage point of the ruined town and can see nothing but decay and desertion as the door to a decrepit, rotting barn is swung open, and we can see Rogyar and Vipira emerge, taking in for the first time the dead town. Large, slanted letters appear over this scene, forming the title screen. Book 2. Eulogy for Roslar's Coffer. Damn. Well, that doesn't sound good. Well, this is, I imagine, a very, very weird feeling for Uhtred. Like, we've known for, what, roughly a week, week and a half, essentially, that, like, pretty much everyone in the town was killed, but, like, Actually being back and seeing the aftermath, it's not shocking or devastating, but like it hurts in a, its own new, different way. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, receiving a letter that, you know, your husband or wife was killed, like fighting the war. Yeah. And you grieve. And then like a month later, they're like, we've, you know, we've returned the body. And you, you have the like, you see them for the first time, like. You know, you've grieved, but, like, that doesn't mean that you have no reaction. And I think you can't really fully grieve until you have that moment. So, I think Uhtred's definitely feeling that right now. So, I've got the map of Roslar's Coffer up, and this map is more or less... you got, So, you guys are here in, like, the, in like the, the northwest corner, almost... And the the fog dome, it stops like right here. Like you are on like the very edge of the dome and you've got like a really good view of it. And you look out over the town. And I mean, you, you, you've got a rough idea of, you know, how big the town is. And, you know, I'm standing on this end of town. I know that it's, you know, roughly that far across. So you can, you know, have a, you have a general estimate of like what's on this map is what's inside this fog dome. So it was very specifically sp- like space are placed on top of the town. Yes. Can I make a spellcraft check against the fog cloud, or a knowledge check? Real quick, I'm going to reread the uh, the flavor text I read that closed out book one. What remains of Roslar's coffer lies before you, but familiar buildings lie in ruins and plants grow wild, as if hundreds of years have passed. Shapes flit by the windows of many homes, and a white glow emanates from the direction of the cemetery on the southeast edge of town. Stranger than all that, however, is the yellowish-green cloud that surrounds the entirety of Roslar's coffer, arching into the sky and making the sunlight feeble and dim. You, uh, take a look at the cloud, and the withered corpses of several birds and rabbits are visible on the ground, just within 
this greenish fog. Uh, Those corpses, could they give us any indication of how long they've been dead from, like, how deteriorated they are? Uh, if you go up and give me a heal check, uh, but first, uh, you can do a, uh, you can examine the fog with detect magic, and then give me a knowledge arcana check. I got a 25 on the knowledge arcana, you said a heal check on the animals? Yes. Somebody else do this with me, because I'm bad at those. Oh, yeah. Never I'm mind. I'm ready for heal check, baby. I, I did well. Oh. I mean, you can still do right, it. Joe, help out. <laughs> <laughs> I got it, boys. I got it. Butcher got a 18 on his heel check. Yeah, but I assisted with a 12, so. Nice. So he got go. a 20. A couple of the corpses look like they've been dead for quite a while. It's hard to tell exactly because the cause of death is not super clear to you, but the resulting corpse is like mangled and withered almost like uh like it's reminiscent of like something that died from dehydration or something that died from like being burned to death it's almost like just this like magical scar you're not sure if a lot of the deterioration is from time or from the cause of death I think it's uh, fair to assume, though, if a hundred, hundreds of years had passed, there wouldn't be anything. There wouldn't be corpses left. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, with your knowledge, Arcana check, <laughs> the best you can surmise is that this cloud has been produced by a very powerful magic item, possibly a minor artifact. As for what it is and what it does, you don't know. This is giving off an unusually strong magic ores. Oh, yeah. Picking up. Okay. You remember uh, being kind of caught off guard with the strength of the magical aura of uh, Salakar's Dream dream Gate? Uh, This magical aura is more powerful. Oh, wow. This might be the most powerful aura that Uhtred's ever felt, then. It is definitely the most powerful magical aura Uhtred has ever felt. Uh, I think that that would cause, like, a a visible grimace to be seen on Uhtred's face. Almost like... It's kind of painful to focus on the uh, the magic cloud because it's so intense. Do we want to take a walk around and see if uh, see if there's an entrance into this bubble of some sort? You want to go in there? No. Why I, would you want to do that? I think she meant walk around the perimeter road yard. Am I right, Vipira? Because I do not recommend we walk into this cloud. It's giving I off agree. more a stronger magical aura than I've ever felt in my life. More than the dreamscape. I agree. Uh, Judging by the birds that are lined up on the ground, I don't want to be caught up in there, but maybe there is uh, some sort of passageway that uh, we could get to the bottom of this. It's not like we're just going to kind of walk the perimeter for the moment. As we're going, I will kind of probe that with air blasts with my new gusting infusion, see if I can see if that affects this cloud at all. Let me stop you right there, and I'd like everybody to give me perception checks. So Rogier got a 14. Uchid got a 13. Vipira got a 27. And Vlyas got an 8. So you guys are examining the fog cloud, uh, coming up with a strategy. Uh, and Uchid and Vipira, you uh, you realize that some of the plants, and, and I'll remind you, this whole thing is like super overgrown, like as if you're in 
you're you're in like a ghost town that hasn't seen any people in it for for hundreds of years. It's so overgrown, and you realize that uh, some of the plants seem to be moving. And you look around, you see four four creatures uh, that you can anybody who has it can give me knowledge nature check on. Uh, that's a fourteen for Rogiar on the knowledge. Uchid rolled an eight because he rolled a natural one. Oh yikes! Uh, Vipira rolled a thirteen. Rogiar and Vipira, uh, you would recognize these creatures as weed whips. Weed whip is an animate plant that rarely attacks unless provoked, uh, but these seem a bit more aggressive than those that you have otherwise be like read about in a book somewhere. Uh, these strange, vibrant plants slowly but dangerously whip about with their trios of tendrils with spiked heads. You can each ask me one question about weed whips. What, uh, do they have any... Uh, yeah, give me some DR. They do not have DR. Vipira? Let's just play the HP game. 25. Lower. All right. Uh, but with that, I need everybody to roll initiative. Uhtred and Vipira are going to be part of the surprise round. Solias. 13. Uhtred. 6. Rogiar. Uh, 22. Ooh. And Vipira. 20. Okay. So Rogiar is not part of the surprise round, but Vipira can take a standard or a move action. All right. I'd like to uh, take a five-foot step. Okay. And uh, slash. All right. It, uh, is flat fo- it is flat-footed, but as a plant creature, it is immune to crits and sneak attacks. Oh, very sneaky. Um, Vipira gets a nice new shiny boost to her sneak attack, and the first thing we fight, eh, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> <laughs> rough. Um, but I will uh, claw claw. Or claw. Just one, one claw, please. Um, does a 16 hit? It's flat-footed. Yes, it does. All right. Seven damage. Okay. It is now the Weed Whip's turn. These things do seem to be moving pretty sluggishly, but Viper is going to get attacked by the one that she just attacked. That's going to be an 11 to hit. Does not hit. Okay. Uh, and Uhtred is going to get attacked. These things have uh, three, like, three tentacles that end in these, like, spiky spiky balls. That's a 22 to hit your flat-footed AC, Uhtred. Yep, that's gonna hit. The green <laughs> one, he will also move five feet and yeah, we'll just get there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Uhtred, you take four points of damage and uh, I need a fortitude save. There's that and again. Yep. Yes. Oh, a 12. With a 12, uh, you fight off the poison. Uh, so the the green one down here, he also took a five foot step, which puts him 15 feet away from Rogyar, and surprisingly, he still hits. He can still reach Rogyar. Wow. Yeah, their tentacles are just super long. That is a 14 to hit Rogyar's flat-footed AC. Yes, it does. Take two points of damage, give me a fortitude save. That is a 20. Very nice. You fight off the poison. And Thalias isn't acting in the surprise round. Uhtred. So Uhtred will take a five-foot step to get above Ro- uh, Rogyar. And North of Rogyar. within range of 
the blue plant creature. Okay. And uh, we'll swing a scimitar at it. All right. That's uh, 17 to hit. 17's going to hit. And it takes two damage. I min-rolled the damage, but it takes all of it, I assume. Yes, you do. They have no DR, so yeah. Okay. And that brings us to the combat proper. Up first is Rogyar. Okay. Well, it's time to try out Rogyar's new toy. So he's going to take a five-foot step back from the blue one, okay. knowing that that one can still reach me, but it gets me away from the green one's reach, and or at least out of his line of sight so that he can't hit me. And into the reach of red. Huh. 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 I just, I, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you're right. I just, like, I don't know why in my head I looked at that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's still out of reach. And now I'm looking at it like, no, that's 15 feet, you idiot. Yep. <laughs> It is a, it's weird mental fuckery to have a 15-foot reach on a medium-sized creature. It is. <laughs> um, so yeah, Rogar is going to uh, gather power to uh, empower a blast at the blue one. All right, so that blast is going to provoke from red and blue. Indeed. That will be a 19 to hit. That'll hit. And a natural 20. God damn it. And that's a 7 to confirm. Okay, doesn't confirm. So you take two points of damage from red, three points of damage from blue, and I need two fortitude saves. That is a 22 and a 22. <laughs> Holy shit. Hey, I was already good at those, and you just gave us cloaks of resistance, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, did you add those in for everybody? Yes, I did. Thank you. All right. Okay. And let's see that air blast. Does a 27 hit? Yes. Oh, and I just about min-rolled that for, uh, well, 16, but then empowered, that's 24 damage. Oh, my God. <laughs> just about min-roll uh, for 24 damage. Go fuck yourself, My, my min-damage was two. <laughs> Literally 12 times worse. Absolutely <laughs> annihilate that weed whip. All right, so up next is Vipira. Uh, Vipira's gonna... Claw, claw, unless if she finishes his... Oh, natural 20. That is That will definitely hit, but as a plant creature, it's immune to crits. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> For a uh, seven damage. All right. Ten uh, to hit. Uh, ten will not hit. Okay. All right, it is now the weed whip's turns. Red's going to take a five-foot step. But then it's going to uh, take a full attack action on Vipira with three tentacles. Oh my god. That's an 8 to hit. Nope. 12 to hit. Nope. And an 11 to hit. No. Stay down. Okay. Uh, Green is going to 5 foot step. And then it's going to full attack on Uhtred. That's a 15 to hit. Nope. 11 to hit. Nope. A 23 to hit. Yep. Take five points of damage. I got a 16 oh. for the fortitude. Okay, you pass the fortitude save. Uh, and then our straggler orange back here is going to move 10 feet, uh, which is going to put Utra just in its reach for one attack. That's a 10 to hit. Okay, Thelias, you're up. All right, here we go. I feel like I should get a bonus here for using... Um, a shovel on the, plants? The weapon... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A weapon that's got to be explicitly, you know, favored against them or favorable. 
repot those but, plants. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna flavor it. Like I'm gonna, you know, sharp edge of my shovel right through them. Try and dig their grave here. All right. Shovel attack. And uh, the one I'm standing right next to. Right. I don't get a flank bonus, do I? Yeah, you do. Oh, I do. Yeah. They they can be oh, flanked. Not just like not it matters. What the hell? Thirteen. Oh, thirteen is gonna miss. Ah, with the shovel. Too. With the shovel, I know. What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Froger's over here doing twenty fours. <laughs> Tom slicing them up, and the guy with the shovel can't get it done. All right, all right, all right. Uhtred. Okay, Uhtred will take a. Um, if he goes straight down in front of Rogar, does that? Do they do the green and orange still have line of sight? Yeah, this isn't. Gotcha. Okay. So instead of taking a five foot step down in front of Rogar, he's going to take a five foot step to the diagonal and down. So okay. he gets out of the range of red. Okay. Utrid is going to cast defensively. Okay. And try and cast Frostbite. Okay. Okay. So I got an 18, which is enough to cast defensively for a first level spell, which Frostbite yep. is. Yes. And then Utrid will take a swing at green and uh, with a scimitar and frostbite. Okay. And I was also just reading uh, that I fucked up on two occasions on these things. Uh, A, while they do have a 15-foot reach with their vines, they actually don't threaten with them, and they can't take attacks of opportunity. And uh, also, if you attack them with a natural weapon, you are exposed to the poison and need to make a saving throw. Uh, so <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that that's so, that's oh, a lot of things. That, that feels like it evened out, right? You got some. Yeah. Issues. yeah so yeah, I'm just it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you know ignore those two things that I fucked up on in the past, and we're just gonna apply them going forward. Because one is good for you um, and one is bad for you. So, and not to pull a wicked Tom, I am gonna use combat expertise on this swing. There you go. So I could take no penalty, and until my next turn, I'll have an additional. AC. Two AC. Right. I get two from it? You get one from combat expertise and one from your uh, sword right. play okay. style. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I picked up my LR power dice and <laughs> rolled a 19 for a crit threat. But uh, Which, they're plants yeah. and they can't be crit. Yep. And I also have my confirmation was dumpy. Mm. Uh, but the scimitar, I min rolled again for two slashing damage. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Uh, the frostbite dealt uh, 10 non-lethal cold damage. It is fatigued. And if it's not dead, I would like to roll an intimidate check. Uh, there are plans that are immune to that. Uh, to intimidate checks? Up next is Rogar. Speaking of intimidating. All right. <laughs> All right. So Rogar is going to take a five-foot step to the north. Yep, yeah, five foot up to the north, and uh, yeah, same thing. I'm going to uh, gather power to empower a blast at green. All right. That's a 22 to hit. That'll hit. And with the empower, that is 28 damage. Okay. <laughs> you utterly annihilate it, completely uh, trivializing anything Uhtred just did. All right, Vipera. <laughs> Vipera's going to claw claw. Okay. 23 to hit. 23 will hit. Six damage. All right. You destroy the weed whip, but I need a fortitude save. Your claws slash through it, and its poison gets all in you. Uh, a 13. 
13 will save. Nice. You have a move action left if you want to use it. You know what? Honestly, I don't want to use it. Uh, I don't want to get in the way of uh, Rogyar and his path of destruction. So <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna hang out for a second. Okay. It is the Weed Whip's turn, and it's gonna go ahead and full attack on Uhtred. That's an eight to hit. Nope. A thirteen to hit. Yep, that'll miss too. And an eighteen to hit. <laughs> I'm untouchable. And Thalias, you're up. All right, well, the thing that I was just fighting got absolutely smoked out of existence, so let's see here. Um, the next one's kind of far away. I'll make a move over here, uh, four spaces to my to my right, and um, just back anyone up if they need help. All right. Okay, uh, so Uhtred, you're up. Perfect. Well, I'm so glad I wasted a frost frostbite spell for... <laughs> <laughs> Rogard just wreck on these things, but uh, yeah, I guess I'll swing another scimitar at orange. Maybe I won't min roll the damage. Ooh, maybe I won't hit the thing. Uh, and I'll do this with combat expertise. Okay. That will be a 13 to hit. 13 does not hit. Nice. At least I didn't waste the charge of frostbite then. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Alright, Rogar. Clean up time. Rogar's up. Alright. Well, this time Rogyar is going to uh, just walk 15 feet to the east to get a clean shot. And he will just uh, shoot this thing without the gathered power and not empowering it. Oh, that's only an 11 to hit. All right. You're only two for three, Rogyar. Vipira, you're up. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Vipira's just going to chill out. Say rah rah go team. The Thalias approach. Maybe wave her finger around a little bit. She's like, I've done enough. I don't want to touch these things anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's essentially it. Okay. Uh, it's the Weed Whip's turn. And it just missed Uhtred three times in a row. So it's going to go after Rogyar again. That's a nine to hit. Nope. A 10 to hit. <gasps> no. And a 13 to hit. A new. Okay. Thalias. All right. Um, I got closer last turn, so this turn I'm going to go for it. Step, step. Well, move 10 feet towards the creature. Mm -hmm. No attacks of opportunity because you're a dirty liar. And swing my mighty shovel for the killing blow. Okay. 13. 13's going to miss. God damn it. Uhtred. Okay. Uhtred is going to stay where he is, swing a mighty blow for the kill. Oh. Power of my power dice. Oh, dear lord. Oh, woof. Uh, that's going to be a nine. You know you got to charge those between sessions, right? Apparently. <laughs> a nine's not going to hit. This uh, this last weed whip, he's a wily one. Rogar, your uh, turn. Real- okay. Uh, let's uh, get... We're going to step back about ten feet and get out of uh, attack range for this thing and uh, try and shoot it. All right. Got a plus four cover bonus. Yep, same attack boat. Same attack. An 11 to hit. Doesn't do it. Does not. Vipira. Ra, ra. Go, team. Okay. Weed Whip's turn. Uh, it's going to rotate right. to a third target and uh, go after Thalias. Yeah, you might. It's an 18 to hit. Nope. A 9 to hit. Nope. And a 20 to hit. 
I'm invincible. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Thank you. Okay, Thalias. All right, this is it. This is for all the marbles. Power attack. Oh, yeah. 20. 20 was going to hit. 12. All right, 12 points of damage. All right, well, that was the first time this thing's been hit so far, uh, so it's still up. But ah. that was uh, that probably felt like a very satisfying uh, connection. Uchard, you're up. Alrighty. Third time's the charm. Scimitar. Frostbite, because I'm not using any of my stores of it. And uh, yeah, here we go. It's a 14 to hit. 14 will hit. And combat expertise. We can just assume going forward I am always combat expertise. Anyway. Uh, so 14 hits, that'll deal 4 slashing damage, and then 10 non-lethal cold damage, and it is fatigued if still alive. It is not still alive. And, or still conscious. Or conscious. Alright, so yeah, you guys destroy the last weed whip. Sweet. Now, I know I wasn't very, uh, I didn't live here or anything, but, uh, were those things common before? I've never seen one before. They're not native to Rossler's Coffer. I'm not sure they're native to the Material Plane. I don't think they're a naturally occurring beast. No, they're they're natural to the uh, to this plane, but uh, they they did seem overly aggressive. Normally, something has to irk them for them to be like that. Definitely weird. Indeed. We should probably keep moving before more of those things show up or something else. That sounds good to me. Still want to see if we can find a way into the town. Well, you can... Did we ever? You you can go straight into the town. Uh, no. You no. just can't leave no. the town. Um, did you ever respond to when Rogar said he was, like, walking around the perimeter shooting air blasts at the cloud? If that was, oh, like... Yeah, that, did, that hadn't, we hadn't happened actually, yet. Yeah, we didn't, yeah, we didn't do that gotcha. yet because those things came up and attacked us. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So wait, are we inside this like dome of like yellow gas stuff? Yeah, it's like enclosed around the town. But we're on the outside perimeter of it, right? No, you're you're on the outer edge of the perimeter that sits oh. within the dome. So we're actually okay, but in we the are climb. inside of it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Apologies if uh then Well then I'm still going to probe the dome to see if we can get out. I didn't realize. I thought we were trying to get in. Yeah, I thought so too. Oh, my bad. Um in that case, I don't know how effective this would be. I think Uhtred's would want to like start detecting magic and checking buildings to see like if things were left in there when the town died. Like, you know, did they go with the people, spirits? Did they break? Are they usable? Well, remember how we were back in the boneyard and we were inside uh, Rossler's coffers. I guess it's shadow. Not everybody was dead there. Uh, not uh, not all the buildings popped up. There there were certain things that were missing. Well, I, those could just be the people that accepted their fate before we got there. It could be, but I mean, I doubt every member of the town was currently inside the town borders. There must have been loggers out in the woods and fishermen on the river and. You know, merchants that were on the road. I, I mean, Uchard's still like peeking in homes and and buildings to see like, are they just empty? Are there things so, left? So, so you guys aren't 
skirting the the edge of the dome, uh, you're like taking this path farther into town. Yeah, I mean, if we're already within the cloud, got it. Okay, like I, I'm gonna take that opportunity to search the town as opposed to walking out of it and then trying to get back in. Okay. Yeah. So with that, you guys are going deeper into the town, and your Uhtred is like peering inside of buildings yeah. and. He's doing this specifically to see if, like, things are left. He's going to build hope that maybe Valo is still within the town. Everything that... like, So you, like, approach a... You you see a house. You approach it. And the house looks like it's been, like... Kind of, like, kind of leaving the, the setting here. But it looks like a bomb got dropped on the town. Like, so the house... Like each building, if it's still standing, is still in tatters. Uh, so you're approaching, you you approach a house, and it's just like parts of the walls are missing, the windows have shattered, and the 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 wood just looks like it's been like decayed and corroded. And you you peer in, like you can, and you can just like step into this house. It's not it's not like you have to like open the door or break the or break it down or anything. Like you could just if the door is even still standing. And so you look inside and it looks just as horrible inside. Uh, like and you can see some, some remains of like furniture or like a cooking pot. And you know, it, some things uh, you, you look home by home and it's not uniformly damaged throughout. Like some buildings look like they were just straight up annihilated. And like there's a plot of land that just is just nothing but rubble. And then there's another building that looks like it's at like it, it's holding up pretty okay. But then you look inside and it's, you know, it's still uh, you know, pretty beat up. But for the most part, yeah, like it's just pretty it's pretty utter utterly destroyed, uh, this town. If your sword survived, it would be by chance. You're not confident. What do you, what do you mean if? I don't like the word if there i mean you don't have you don't have a like a catalog of who owned magic weapons or wet or or items and what quality know, those were so you're looking around and like you're not seeing magic items that held up but does that mean that there weren't any in these houses or does it mean that they were destroyed you right. don't know and i've yet to with the tech magic pick up any aura other than the fog cloud correct i say that some of our answers might lie more in the center. I mean, there's that big old glowing light by the graveyard. I think that's the graveyard. Is that on the other side of town? I asked Elias. On the other side of town, yeah. It's quite the walk. And yes, everybody can well, see this like pale glowing light coming from that direction. Well, I'm not... I mean, after everything we've been through, big glowing beacon seems like the spot to go, doesn't it? <laughs> Elias gives... Rogar a sideways glance. We were supposed to be home. This glowing light doesn't seem like home, but I'll try anything. Did the mayor of the town have some sort of item that signified that she was the mayor? Kind of like um, something maybe like along the lines of in Game of Thrones, the hand of the king has that little pin that marks. Yeah, she like, might have had a brooch or something. Why? Um, I would like to stop at the. What was it like the town hall, like yeah. the mayor's office, and see if I can find anything? 
I want to find something before we leave the town that indicates we were actually in the town. Right. There's something that you could show, so like somebody right. in vigil. So, yeah, if we ever get yeah. out okay. of this bubble. That's a good idea. I like that. All right. So it sounds like everybody's moving, whether it's to the middle of town or to the cemetery. It's kind of all the same direction from where you guys are. Yeah. south Southeast is where we're going for now. All right. Pretty big disappointment on uh, this town, by the way. There, Alex. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Did I not deliver? Did I not? Uh, get, did I not meet your expectations? <laughs> this is like one of those technically true type deals. Like we're technically home, yeah. but like, bitch, you know we're not really home. <laughs> this isn't what we meant. Yeah. Well, we knew we weren't going back to like normal. Russell yeah, but Ruffler. even this is worse than I thought it would be. All right. So you guys, uh, you start moving. You start, yeah, start getting going closer to uh center of town and uh let me stop you guys get back here nick stop that sorry <laughs> inching your way uh I'm a speed walker so you get to your first intersection and uh, i'd like a perception check from everybody mm. oh god damn <laughs> it flashes 20 and rolls two every yeah. time uh it's an 18 for rogier 13 for utrid 24 for vipira uh two for thalias Okay. Rogyar and Vipira, as you guys are approaching this uh, first intersection, you can hear the sound of hooves on on the the stone road uh, coming from, like, around a corner. Uh-huh. Rogyar, you can tell that there's more than one set. Vipira, you can tell that there's, like, four or five sets of hooves. And they're, uh, they're kind of, like... Like kind of like trot speed. That was pretty good. Thank you. Uh, which corner are they coming from? Looks like they're coming from around to your uh, your left. So like from the east. Yes. Okay. Um, then Rogar would like to like jump up on the roof of that building to get to try and get like a, a vantage, see what's coming. <coughs> Give me an acrobatics um, check. Vibe. How tall is it? Just for reference. Um, ten feet. Ten feet. So I need a 20. All right. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. What have you done? Uh, all right. Nope. I failed to jump that high. You okay. go to jump and you just hear like an engine sputtering. <laughs> uh, Vipera, you had something? Yeah. So uh, Vipera is going to be like, you hear that? And then she's going to uh, get into like a ready position out front. Just right here. All right. Hyperia, you'll be the first to see a group of four undead, zombified elk. Oh my god. Zombie elk Trotting up the road. They see you step out from around the corner, and very uncharacteristically for elk, they seem to fly into a rage. Everybody roll initiative. Rogiar. 24. Ooh. Elias. Eight. Oof. Uhtred. Nine. Oof. Vipira. Twenty-three. Oof. Jeez. Yo, are undead creatures immune to crits? No. No. Thank God. Right. I, I said like a mini crisis moment of, did I just build a character based around doing crits that right. is going to fight a bunch of non-critable things? <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of like crit card effects that are not going to affect undead, like taking ability damage. Uh, Good thing I'll like always pretty much get to choose from two different kinds. Yeah. That's true. 
Okay, so for zombie elk, uh, up first is Rogyar. And when you say zombie, like eat your brains zombie or these things have like rotted flesh half their like a couple of them like half their faces are missing uh you can see like their rib cages they are very clearly like they are not living and yet they're up okay and And as not living you say that's right undead very interesting okay (laughs) okay flies is in this and as they like run at you, they're not making any noise. Or uh, all you can hear is like their breath. They're just <sighs> wait. They're breathing. Why are the undead breathing? Well, it's just their diaphragms work, and they're not actually breathing. <laughs> Rogiar's up. All right. So Rogiar is going to uh, take a five foot step back because yeah, terrifying zombie elks. And then he will uh, yeah. Let's let's keep this party going. He's going to gather power to empower a uh, pushing infusion on the red one in front. All right. That is a 19 to hit. 19 will hit. All right. And that is 24 damage after the empower. Okay. You destroy one zombie elk. Yo, nerf Rogar. This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is amazing. Right away. <laughs> he hits, he kills. Vipira, you're up. Vipira takes a five-foot step, and I assume these things are immune to flat-footed. Nope. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Take your sass and pack it up. There it is. <laughs> um, 25 damage. What? Oh, sorry. 25 to hit. 25 will hit. And then is that only 2d6, Matt? No, it's three. Oh, okay. Um, that is 11 damage. Oh, uh, 19 damage. All right. You cut down another elk. Nice. Bring it on, caribou. That second claw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Green elk is going to run past Vipira at Thalias. That's going to provoke uh, attack opportunity from Vipira. Oh. Oh, yes. 24 to hit. 24 will hit. Nine damage. All right, and it's gonna it's gonna try to gore Thalias. No. That's a 25 versus Thalias' flat-footed AC. Oh, yeah. Now that hits me. I'm gonna take 13 damage. Oh my god! Are you serious? The I, these things are big lumbering elk, and it just careens into you. The second one... Vipira slashes it on the way over and then just bang, Elias yeah. takes it. Yeah. Bang. And then the the final elk, uh, he's going to make a charge attack at Vipira. That's a 19 to hit. Does not hit. All right. Then up next is Rogiar. No. Up next <laughs> is Uhtred. Okay. Uhtred will take a five-foot step to line up with Elias and... He's going to use his combat expertise and take a swing with a scimitar, which has one more charge of frostbite in it. Okay. That's going to be a 24 to hit. 24 will hit. So it's going to take five damage from the scimitar. Okay. Ten non-lethal damage from the frostbite. Undead are immune to non-lethal damage. Oh, really? Yep. Oh. 
then it just takes five slashing damage. Okay. Then it's Thelias' turn. All right, I don't take kindly to this uh, elk blasting me, so I'm going to smite him with some evil. Ooh. Or smite his evil. <laughs> Here's some evil in your face. <laughs> All right. And I bring down my shovel and smite this foul beast. Natural one. Roll to confirm. <sighs> oh, 23. Thank God. Yeah, that does not confirm the fumble. Up next is Rogiar. Price. Okay. Rogiar will, uh, yeah, just stay right where he is and rinse and repeat on the uh, orange one that has not been hit yet. Okay. Gather power, empowered, air blast. Yeah, it's a 13 to hit. That's not going to hit. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Vibira. 14, actually. 14 will still not hit. Okay. Vipera. Vipera is going to take a five-foot step. All right. Uh, to flank with green, and she is going to claw, claw. Okay. Oh, does an 11 hit? No. All right. Does a 21 hit? Yes. All right. Um, that's Just keep going until you get it, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is 13 damage. All right. You destroy that elk. Which leaves us with one elk remaining, and he sees a clear line to make a charge attack onto Uhtred. Oh, <laughs> which, uh, which threatens, right? That's going to provoke, uh, its movement is going to provoke an attack of opportunity from both Vipira and Uhtred. And Uhtred? And Thalias. Yeah. This wouldn't be Tyrant's Grasp if uh, I got yep. everybody's <laughs> names right. 16 to hit. 16 does not hit. Ugh. Now, I'm still smiting evil, and I get the uh, feeling that I should be smiting this thing, yeah? The smite evil is targeted to a specific creature. That creature has oh, it since is? been slain. Yes. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, I'll just regular attack this thing. You do have a second smite for the day, but I don't know if you want to okay. use both of them. Yeah, I'll back do it. Back to back like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, okay. Yeah, no, I will. You know right. I want to. Okay, <laughs> do it. Add your charisma on the attack roll and your level on the damage roll. Smite you. 18. 20. 18. Oh, am I flanking? Yep. 20. 20 hits. Yes. 14 damage. Ooh. All right. Uh, you feel uh, some of that damage get absorbed by uh, its gross, tough skin slat uh ieDr hmm. but you deal a fair amount of, the, of that damage to the elk but it is able to finish its movement and make a charge oh. attack on Utrid. unbelievable that's a 25 to hit that'll hit you take nine points of damage Oof. and now it's Utrid's turn well Utrid's kind of feeling it from this thing. So he's going to take a scimitar swing at it using combat expertise. Okay. Uh, does a 19 hit? Yes. Okay, so it's going to take four slashing damage. Okay. And then Uhtred's going to take a five-foot step diagonally behind Thelias. Uh, okay. Elk is still up. It is Thelias' turn. All right. Let's finish this once and for all. Shovel time. Oh. 27. 27 hits. 
15 damage. Might be the most I've ever done. Might be. You destroy the final elk. Yes. Okay, uh, so the the last elk hits the ground, and I'd like everybody to give me a perception check. It's a 28 for Rogier. 18 for Thelias. All right. 16 for Uhtred. 20 for Vibira. We're a little bit more vigilant this time. Yeah, we are on high alert. <laughs> uh, Vipira and Rogyar, you're looking around alert for more danger. And about two blocks away, you see a humanoid figure on the roof of a building. Rogyar, your perception check was high enough to notice that uh, it looks like a male half-orc wearing leather armor. You can just make out a bright flash of red hair. And the figure... Uh, slips out of sight for a moment, then makes, and then uh, you can see it making for the tree line to the north of town. All right. Um, yeah. So I shout like, there was a there was a half orc on that building over there. Big redheaded thing. Is he's running for the trees? He's running north. Stop him! You guys go after Let's him. Follow him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. He's not getting away from me. I'll tell you what. It, yeah, it, it's, you're a so, demon. it's something living here. Let's yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so you guys, uh, you make a break for it, and you uh, you start running towards the line of trees that the uh, the the dome of fog seems to kind of like there's like the the southern fringe of the trees to the north lie within the the fog cloud, like lie within the dome of fog. Uh, this half orc is running for the trees. He's got quite a head start on you. He's two blocks away. I'm going to shout out as we run in Orc. Wait! We, we mean you no harm! Please, stop! Um, I'm going to be, like, jumping as as fast as I can, too. That's my fastest mode of transport. And uh, I'll be in the back in case there's baddies behind us. You guys run ahead. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm running my fastest, but not, not like that. Fly back there. Clomp, clomp, clomp. <laughs> Does he react at all to me yelling to him to stop? You definitely, he's, like I said, he's like two blocks away from you guys. He had a pretty good head start on you. You can just barely see that he did like whip his head back and look towards you when you shout out an orc, but he continues running. Uh, so you guys, uh, you book it north, you make it to the tree line. All right. but well, do if, we if, follow him into the trees? I, I kind of want to. I mean... I didn't think we were going to find any living creature in here, really. Maybe he knows what this fog is. He must be surviving in here somehow. Well, part of me is saying that if he has lived here that this long, there's dangerous and, uh, creatures roaming around. He's probably built traps of some sort. He's had mechanisms. So if we are to go inside these this tree line here... We need to be very vigilant. As you guys are talking, I've finally caught up to you, and I sprint right past you, not knowing that there's some sort of stopping and conversation going. <laughs> Elias, wait, 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 slow down. I make at least a couple, you know, 20 feet in before, yeah. <laughs> before I slow down. <laughs> just, just, that's just how much your inertia had you going forward. Yeah. It's just pure <laughs> momentum at that point, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You just hear, like, that squealing of the brakes on the tracks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Matt, edit that in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, upon hearing you guys say uh, to stop, I, I do slam on the brakes and turn around. Where is he? 
We lost him in the tree line. And you hear a voice, and it's coming from within the trees. And it says, Yeah, I'm in here. You better watch out. I've got traps laid out all in here. Who are you? Sense motive. Yeah, sense motive. Viper is not even going to, like, bother. Perfect. I believe every word this guy says. Uh, I got a 22. I am Uhtred Bebenberg, captain of the guard for Rustler Coffer. We just want to talk. Uh, Rogiar, you got a 22 sense motive. Uh, you're not detecting any uh, any falsehoods. So you think that he actually is... Uh, he, he actually does have uh, some traps laid out in these trees. And uh, you, you, there's a there's a there's a slight pause, and he says, uh, "Again, we we mean you no harm." Which one of you is speaking orc? That that would be me, Uchard. All right, look, it's been a bit dicey around here. I haven't found anyone who hasn't wanted me dead yet. You mean there's others alive? Well, yeah, 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 there are, but I don't know. I I was watching you with those elk, and I don't know. I I. I'm not sure who I can trust. Just co- come on in here and maybe we can talk things out. And he, like mid-sentence, you hear this like really loud snap. Like the snap of like like a, like a something huge stepping on a like an overturned log and just like... And you just hear, oh, bugger all! And just a huge, a, a large guttural roar. Coming from within the trees. Uh, I shit my pants as a free action. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> On the Inspired Incompetence Podcast. I should not be in the forest. Oh my god. See ya! Nice. See ya. See ya.